Last time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Being in the stream. There's no one of those tiny little fish that flies up your pea stream and gets in your wiener. Now help my wiener! And now the conclusion. Okay. Okay, I'm feeling all right. Do we watch this week? As Justin's dying from the pea stream fish. <laughs> Justin, as you hallucinate and die from the uh, fish uh, burrowing in your urethra. Uh, oh. <laughs> what are you about? Sending the fever, taking it higher, taking it higher and higher. Sending the fever, sending it higher, Go ahead. Let's do what I want at the same time. This week, we we are discussing (laughs) David Wayne's and Michael Showalter's 2001 masterpiece of American cinema, Wet Hot American American Summer. Engage. Engage. That that title is very appropriate for how it feels outside right now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we watched uh, Wet Hot American Summer, uh, which is a movie I have not seen in over a decade. Really? Yeah, I have not rewatched this movie in a very, very long time. Is there a reason behind that? I don't know. I don't rewatch movies too terribly often. See, this is... Justin, you always ask ask this question, and I never have a good answer, but I think I finally have a good answer. Justin will often ask, what is a movie that when you're just bored, and this might be a little anachronistic now, but when you're bored and flipping around the channels, even if it's in the middle, you will stop what you're doing and just finish watching the movie. And Wet Hot American and Summer is one of those movies for me. Uh, so I've I've rewatched it a few times on like Comedy Central or on HBO a few times because it'll just be on occasionally. Uh, so I probably saw it about three years ago now. But uh, uh, I legit this is one of my I, I've made a list the, the, uh, a few weeks ago of uh, I like lists of like my favorite movies of all time, and this is uh, one of my all time favorite films. I think it is legitimately. One of the greatest films ever made, and I think it should be like in the Criterion Collection. It is that um, uh, special of a of a movie. Uh, it's pretty spectacular, and even though I hadn't seen it in a very long time, it was like Tom. It was a movie that I would uh, way back in the day, like I would flip around Comedy Central, and this movie would just be on. Yeah, it was hard mm-hmm. not to watch this movie. Yeah, like you. Ladies and gentlemen, it have seen it. It was a flop when it was first released, but it sort of grew as it was airing on television. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are lines in this movie specific. Like there are so many lines that I was like, oh, I remember this. Like exactly. Yeah. There's stuff that's just burned in my brain, especially at the very beginning when Michael Showalter's character just randomly says, I want you inside me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, like that has been in my head for over a decade. And I was like, holy shit. I just remember so much of this film. Amazing. This off yeah. through the ball. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is so fucking special and singular. And there's a great documentary on Netflix. Yep. Hurricane of fun. I believe it's called, uh, that kind of details the, the making of this film. And I don't, Really, I I struggle to think of a different time when there was such a convergence of insanely talented, lovable personalities. Yeah, uh, from disparate. I mean, and and some went on to be household names. Your Amy Polers, uh, to a lesser extent, Chris Maroney, uh, Bradley Cooper, Bradley fucking Cooper, Bradley of course, fucking his Cooper. first feature film. Yeah, uh, Elizabeth. Ba- there were so many like before they were famous. Elizabeth Banks. Bradley Cooper, uh, Chris Maloney. I think Chris Maloney was on yeah, Law and Order. 
this yeah, point. Yeah, SBO. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there are and, a few, uh, like... Oh. Before he stormed the world and got his face put on Mount Rushmore, Michael Ian Black. <laughs> yes. Ian Black. Got oh, guys. Yeah, yeah. And, and then you got, like, Michael Show. You, well, you got the Stella guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Michael Ian Black, Michael Showalter. David uh, Well, the, oh, no, no, the, the guys from the in. state. No, he just directs it. Yeah, the, the state. Yeah, the state. Uh, yeah. David Wayne, Joe Latrulio, Michael Ian oh, Black, Showalter. Um, uh, oh, wait. Does, does the state hold up? I don't know. I it's hard to watch the I state. I haven't revisited in a while. I want to dip my balls in it. <laughs> yeah, that's the one sketch that I rewatch all the time is I want to dip my balls in yeah. it. And that sketch is hilarious. And I have no idea if the other sketches are any good anymore. Well, if if this movie is any indication, I think 100%. Uh, I think this movie holds up 100%. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. Yeah, I, I was thinking no. of... I, okay, I kind of... I, I, my ultimate verdict <laughs> is to agree with you. Bless you. Uh, but yeah. th- there were moments that... Uh, like... I was like, like we get a few, uh, we get a few homophobic f bombs. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but this whole movie is operates on eight billion levels. Yeah, and it it, it, yeah. it it operates on different like thematic. It operates on different time levels. So the first time level, obviously, was made in two thousand one. In my mind, this is a quintessential two thousands movie. But mm. also, it's nostalgic and set in the nineteen eighties. So it's operating on those two temporal levels at once. So one, it was not inappropriate. Well, it should have been, but it wasn't unheard of to hear homophobic f bombs dropped at that point in history. Uh, and obviously, it's referencing an even older time. But the characters then, uh, yeah. these these two dorks uh, witnessing their friend and seeing that he's actually a homosexual man who's in like a commitment ceremony with Bradley Cooper, Michael Ian Black's character. Uh, they're like, we have to do something about this. Yeah. Then later on in the cafeteria, they stand at the door and go, hey, you, yeah. we've got something for you. And it's like a chaise lounge from Crate and Barrel. Yeah, yeah. Crate and Barrel with a very anachronistic Crate and Barrel. <laughs> yes. I, 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 we'll, we'll go a little more chronological, but I'll talk about that for a second. That that's exactly like the thing that I thought maybe I don't know, but I think it one hundred percent does because it this is an outrageous movie. Uh, David yeah. Wayne makes outrageous things, but not uh, shocking things meant to shock you. Uh, you have the whole sequence where they go into to town, town. <laughs> and then it just uh, um, escalates into them In, doing heroin, doing drugs, um, and being strung out. Uh, and then, oh, they were only gone for an hour. Um, I think so. something especially with that subplot of the Michael Ian Black uh, marriage care, uh, um, Bradley Cooper and Bradley Cooper thing, uh, even if it was made today, they would 100% still use that language because it's necessary for the humor of it. Because the humor... Oh, that's why I love it so much. The humor is in often the sincerity and when there's yeah. a a romantic and um and uh, uh, sexy uh homosexual love scene <laughs> in the middle of this movie and the joke is they're talking over how they're going to get their friend laid exactly which is which is like playing on tropes of 80s things but the joke is not that they're gay um, the joke, the is, joke that is, is that in this movie, there's this inc- incredibly poignant love story happening. <laughs> that's yes. the joke of it, and that's something that I I gravitate towards so much: sincerity and, yeah. as humor. That's that's a good thing because a good jumping off point. Because a big thing that strikes me with this movie is that it is operating simultaneously on about 18 meta mm. levels in any given moment. This movie is is there is no empty space and often it is multiplexing different layers of mm. humor simultaneously. So like especially the moments with Coop and Katie mm. uh, it's operating on like three self-aware levels. There's lots of uh, 
uh, ethically correct lampshading and uh, of, of, of known tropes. But at the same time, it's like I'm laughing, but my heart is genuinely like breaking for Michael Showalter, yeah. who's just got the oh, most yeah. empathetic yeah. face in this movie. My heart was breaking for him. The moment when uh, the Katie character you can see is starting to change on her opinion of him. He's he's saying some funny things. We'll throw the clip in. Where did you go all the way? Yeah, you bet we went all the way. We went all the way. We went all the way back, too. We did doggy style, pony style, style council. <laughs> That's a good band. They're hot right now. Human League. They have some good stuff. Um, League of Nations. That brings the whole thing of the United Nations. And then that brings in the whole category of countries. I mean, where to start? Um, well, you know, the obvious one, birthplace of spaghetti and pasta, all that oily stuff, Italy. Now you go. Um, how about Italy? Yeah, good. Safe, because I kind of paved the way with that one. But. And they're genuinely funny. And it's a hilarious bit between them that makes sense in real life that she would start maybe rethinking him within this movie where there are sight gags left and right of like little kids falling over. Yeah, dying or making out yes. with a grown woman. Yes. I, I'm 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 trying to remember what I, I think it was a Kate Coop scene, but the shot began with a bunch of kids huddled together. And then the group breaks up, and one of them just runs off into the forest behind of the shot. But then the dialogue progresses, and it's this hilarious uh, uh, meta-touching moment. Meanwhile, still in the shot is the kid running off into the <laughs> yeah. woods. Uh, oh my god, this movie—it's—it's—it's going to be a Rosetta Stone for humor. It's like a—it's like—it's like a classic Mel Brooks or something. There's so much humor happening all the time, uh, and there's so many people and story arcs. One of my favorites, the Janine Garofalo, David Hyde Pierce. Yes. Space, the final frontier. <laughs> right. Thanks for everything. Hey, you know what? Uh, you know, it'd be a great idea if you came by the camp and taught the campers about space. Uh, uh, no, no, I, I, I couldn't. Oh, they'd love it. No, no, I, I, I couldn't possibly. But... Oh, it would be just... I said no! Sorry, that was... Yeah, we uh, haven't talked about it, but David Hyde Pierce is in this movie. Yes, and he's am- uh, amazing. Fuck my yeah. cock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's uh, he's amazing. Like, and I, I was thinking as I was rewatching this, is David Hyde Pierce? And I think we all know the answer to this. Is David Hyde Pierce like a pantheon comedic actor? Yeah, here's the thing. I think uh, it's weird to say because he's so iconic in Frasier, but I'm. He's underrated or or underused. Yeah, he's not in much, and it's a you goddamn shame. Well, he likes doing theater. True. So he's in a lot of theater, but you know, with this, his line reads in this movie are amazing. He's play- He's doing a different kind of comedic acting than what he does in Frasier. Mm-hmm. Like a very different kind of comedic acting. His character is a little less silly than Niles. He's a bit more serious, but the situations are way more silly. There's a lot yeah. more goofy shit like, meet me over by the bench in 10 seconds. And yeah. then we pan over and they've all assembled. Thank you for meeting me here. Uh, um, oh. I like the way this conversation's going. Let's keep going like this. But I'm going to throw in some facts for people who have not seen this. Um, these are all like in their 30s actors Playing like 16, 17 year old camp counselors. And then there are actual children playing children. Um, And they're all incredible as well. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, there's great child acting in this movie. Like, by the way, child comedic acting. I wanted to do this as an exercise. Maybe this is the time. But, uh,. Who are who, each of who us? Who? Okay, now, I, 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 I think I to an extent, know. we're all the kid who won't take a shower, <laughs> who's narrating as a radio show. No, Franklin <laughs> is the D&D kid. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> at, at least his speech to the girls, which we drop in now. now. This is Frank. Excuse me, ladies. You may remember me as the guy who came to dinner a few weeks ago with underwear on my head. My name is Keith Stack from Millburn, New Jersey. 
State Bird the Mosquito. And as you may have heard, I am recently a crowned Class B Dungeon Master. So if any of you would like to play D&D today, please speak now. Or forever hold your peace. As I was rewatching this movie, I was like, this is Justin, and <laughs> this is what I want to pin on Justin, is he is this kid. Talking... Uh, you can be one of our druids. Uh, <laughs> that is Frank. I fully, I fully accept that I am the uh, the little fat kid who who yells for dinner and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Throw the clip in. Dinner! Lights his fart at the talent show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Makes out with the thirty year old woman. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like a little bit there's a nice pairing of uh, me and Justin and uh, uh, Joe Latruglia and uh, yeah. the, the guy with the, the arc of the, the kids on the river and he's trying to get back to the thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe not so much. I think as adults, we're all Michael Showalter. Uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm, the, I'm the fat adult one. <laughs> I am. So I accept it. Gerald Latrulio? No, no, the no. long-haired one. <laughs> oh, Zach Orth. Yeah. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, uh, uh, Coop uh, is some sort of like part of the DNA of a plaid lad. He even has a flannel shirt yeah. that factors large. That's his favorite shirt, and he makes her give that. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Amazing. It's an adorable yeah. scene. It, 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 it legitimately it, it is. really sweet, but at the same time that... <laughs> well, actually, it's my favorite shirt. <laughs> you want it back yes actually i do <laughs> um do, okay do we want to uh go through it chronologically yeah i mean it takes place in the course of one day like yes. that's the thing of the movie which i noticed something and when i noticed this it melted my heart and there's a very funny bit at nine in the morning where the camp counselors get together and say hey guys let's get back together in 10 years yes and see and what kind of adults we bloom into and they say, well, what time? Uh, well, let's say 9.30. And, you know, but then Michael Showalter, or, or Michael Ian Black says, good, because I have something at 11, <laughs> which is like a, a ludicrous thing. But then watching the movie, I realized it was in the 11 o'clock time card that he marries Bradley Cooper. In oh, 10 wow. Years, I noticed that. In 10 years, he has the 10-year wedding anniversary to Bradley Aww. Cooper. That melted my heart when I realized that. Did anyone watch the sequel? I started watching the first... Here's the thing. A few years ago, I think me and Tom and a, a group started j to watch the first episode. And I'll speak oh, no, not the, not the miniseries. The actual sequel that got made called what? Ten Years Later. I didn't know there isn't, was such a isn't thing. Isn't that the uh, That's first second, day of camp. No, no, I know that. I thought Ten Years Later was the I think it's a second movie? season of that. Oh, I thought that was a movie. I haven't watched it. No, 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 I think it's the second season of the Netflix. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I'll speak for myself. When I tried watching the first episode, I just became depressed at how fat Michael <laughs> Showalter had become. It took me out of it completely. Yeah. I couldn't stop. Like, uh, I, the, the bit is hilarious that this is set uh, at the beginning of the summer, so it's a prequel, but they're all even older. <laughs> but yeah. it made me sad. I started watching it today, though, and I've accepted his fatness, and it's fun. But what it made me realize is all of, all of David Wayne's stuff, he... He's um, he's got two kinds of things he does. He does kind of straightforward comedies, which are incredible, like yeah. uh, role role models, role which models. is amazing. Role models is a masterpiece. Yeah, and like Wanderlust, they're all normal, regular comedies. Then he has the this weird. It's not it's not parody. It's not satire. It's, it is a little bit. It's but. a little bit, but not. It's not airplane or scary movie. It's it comes at it with a a reality, at least of intention. Yeah, because in the beginning of Wet Hot, like this movie plays it pretty straight yeah. for a little bit. It's a parody that unravels slowly. 
Yeah. The really silly stuff like the talking vegetable can and stuff like that, mm. that comes later in the movie. Yeah. Voiced by H. John Benjamin. Yes. And the uh, character's credited name is... this time is John Benjamin. Yes. yes. And 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 the uh, uh, cook's character's name is Gene, which is the yes. name of his son on Bob's Burgers, yes. and there is a delightful familiarity to it. <clears throat> but but uh, but then, yeah, the, there's this style of David Wayne stuff, which is this, which is Children's Hospital, which is great. Um, also, uh, they came together, which I is need to see the it's movie. a great movie. But what that sh- tells you is there's something so perfect about this one that those other things don't have and it's it's uh, just the right place in the right time and the right energy it's 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 lightning striking yeah uh, and I'm not sure how much this counts for David Wayne's like a veritable genius uh, oh, yeah. don't follow his social media if you want to feel good about yourself oh, it's God. it's it's him making uh, beautiful sketches and then composing music on a piano all while being David Wayne yeah uh, but anyway yeah. Uh, this movie so he's good but this movie is also credited as Wayne slash Showalter. Yes. So you wonder if, how much Michael Showalter's influence. Yeah, Mike, Michael Showalter, who what did he ver- direct? Very recently, the Big Sick. Yeah, the Academy Award the big nominated uh, Big Sick. Um, so he's, he's directed a bunch of movies that are like very sort of postmodern. He directed a movie called The Baxter. Yes. Which is like an analysis of like Pomo. Sad boy rom com movies. Yep, yep. But I, I, honestly, I think it's just a coalescence, uh, coalescence of of people. I mean, mm. there are so many fucking amazing performances. But I think in terms of capital A acting, or perhaps decidedly lowercase A acting, that goes to Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, <laughs> fucking his double Paul take. Paul Rudd is amazing. I. When Michael Showalter walks in is the best double take in cinematic history. Um, uh, uh, you taste like burgers. I don't like you anymore. <laughs> his his sequence. I think I think about the sequence legitimately, honestly, once a month, at least once a month, of him having to pick up the chair and the tray. <laughs> it is... Amazing, and also I know everybody says it, but he doesn't age. He does not age one fucking bit. He's the hottest guy I've ever seen. As uh, yeah, as as uh, what's her name, uh, Katie? Uh, the scene at the end. Yeah, no, I'm a 16 year old girl. I just want to have sex. He's yes. sculpted for marble. Yeah, and well, you're really cute, but yeah. don't get me wrong. We'll we'll throw that in because it's an, specifically with him, not you. Yeah, it's, but it's a great line. Let's talk about that scene because that scene, this movie, uh, the whole thing is playing with established movie tropes. Yes. Of various varieties of movies, John Hughes, old action movies, movies with uh, training montages, uh, the whole a, thing. A hilarious segment that is purely just uh, deconstructing Bad News Bears and then, yes. And then yes. moving on. Oh, that sounds pretty trite and rote. We just shouldn't do that. Yeah. Is that the way we all feel? Yeah. No, he was totally cool with it. We're going to have to put so many fucking clips in this. Let's just put the whole fuck Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but... It does so in a way that leaves you in a pretty ethically okay spot. Yeah. For instance, Katie's speech at the end. But I've thought about it, and my thing is this. Andy's really hot. And don't get me wrong, you're cute too, but Andy is like cut from marble. He's gorgeous. He's like this beautiful face and this incredible body. And I genuinely don't care that he's kind of lame. You know, I don't even care that he cheats on me. And, and I like you more than I like Andy Coop, but I'm 16. And maybe it'll be a different story like when I'm ready to get married, but right now, I am entirely about sex. I just want Andy. Yeah. I want to take him and grab him and just fuck his brains out, you know? So that's where my priorities are right now. Sex, specifically with Andy and not with you. But you're really nice. I mean, everybody thinks so. And I'm sorry if, if this isn't the direction that you saw things going between us. I still totally want to be friends. Better write me a letter, okay? Sure. I don't know. I feel like it's the nice guy vaccine. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sort of like transparent, taking the face off of the mystery of woman and and, and, and showing <laughs> yeah. women to be exactly the same just having human carnal urges yeah. and, 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 and saying it on the face of and taking away the, uh, this notion that they be these uh, uh, less shallow creatures mm-hmm. and uh, and that he just accepts it and as she's explaining it point by point you just see the gears turning in his yeah. head and he's, he's just like, like yeah, 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 okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. That, that follows. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, let me tell you, I, I've cried to, at two points in this movie. <laughs> One was Stabler's speech. <laughs> yeah, look, mine. Okay, yeah, we'll put a little bit in here. At a time when I was trying to hide myself from myself, he was there to show me a new way. Cause I couldn't hide from him, and I could be proud of who I am. I put it to you. Campfire wood as we spend the last dinner together. Be proud of who you are. Look at me, my eye made it. I'm okay. And it's about self-acceptance and everything. And he's accepting how he wants to hump the refrigerator and put mud on his butt. (laughs) (laughs) And and it legitimately touched me and the other one is there's a side plot in this film with Molly Shannon oh yeah which is incredibly touching and the thing that's hilarious about it is she's talking with children but everything about it is played 100% straight yeah, 100% I'm just sick and tired of being sick and tired you know and if you can't handle that, Ron, well then to, to hell with you! You'll come back to me, Gail. I know you will. I don't think so, Ronald von Kleinenstein. I really don't think so. A beautiful moment with Judah Friedlander. Mm-hmm. Judah Friedlander showing up for two seconds <laughs> yep. in this movie. Uh, as Molly Shannon's uh, soon-to-be ex-husband. Mm-hmm. You you wouldn't recognize him because he's not in a trucker hat. Yep, <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, fuck. Okay, so we obviously hate this film. Yeah, I will say the other line, other than I want you inside me, that has been burned in my brain, was H. John Benjamin as the can of vegetables, who said, Look, Gene, I've never told anyone this before, but I can suck my own dick, and I do it a lot. There, I said it. I was honest. And you know what, Gene? Being honest makes you feel better. <laughs> that was in my head for a very, very long time. Uh, shout out to Doughboys. Uh, <laughs> I've never listened to an episode of Doughboys. Is that a thing that they talk about? Uh, Nick Weiger can suck his own dick. <laughs> I, I gotta listen to Doughboys. Yes, then, you do. Does that come up? Shall, shall we take a straw poll? <laughs> no. uh, Let's not. Nope. <laughs> How, how, are here the Jesse, how are the here. Jesse Farrar episodes of Doughboys? What? How are the Jesse Farrar episodes of Doughboys? Um, I don't know. I don't know who that is. He's a, he's a guy. He's very funny. Probably good. <laughs> um, so if we can take our gaze, our loving gaze, I could just think of scenes all day. Well, let's do that real quick. Are there any lines or... Uh, so, the moment where uh, it's used as just a plot-moving device, where Janine Garofalo, as the camp director, is just making sort of an innocuous announcement to the cafeteria about who needs to leave their trunk out for the early bus, <laughs> and she's <Yes>. clearly improving <laughs> names. Jessica Azaria, Ira Stevenberg, Saul Zimmerstein. Uh, Rachel Clipper Hofferman. <laughs> well, no, kind of... she says Ira Stephen Baird. Does everyone know who Ira Stephen Baird is? No. The guy who ran Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Ah. Frank, I just got a, um, a message on here that you and I are celebrating two years of friendship on Facebook. Two years of Aww. Facebook friendship. With me and Justin. I love you, little baby boy. I love you too, J-Baby. <laughs> Aww. 
um, Michael Showalter uh, shows up as a another character. Oh, the in, yeah. in, in old Catskills uh, comedian. Uh, comedian who all of his jokes are about how back in back when I was here, it was the Stone Age. Yeah, he we ate our burgers. And, and, and he killed. The people are like holding their sides. Laughing. I went to camp so long ago that I can remember saying sticks and stones may break my bones and meaning it. I went to camp so long ago that fucking Jesus Christ was my counselor and my best friend hadn't fully evolved yet. His name was Ugg and he walked on all fours. There were two epidemics when I went to camp. Head lice and the plague. The bubonic plague. It's, uh, it's pretty spectacular. I will say one of the, the moments for me, not a line, is Elizabeth Banks comes up to Paul Rudd at the dinner, the barbecue, and she has a little bit of barbecue sauce on her face. And he like points to her face, and he's like, you got barbecue sauce on your face. And she's like, oh, what's that? And the camera cuts away from her. When the camera cuts back, her face is more covered in barbecue sauce. Camera cuts away from her and cuts back, and it is much more covered in barbecue sauce. And it is disgusting looking. Um, and even Paul Rudd's character, who is an inveterate horn dog, is like, "You're covered in barbecue sauce. You look foul." <laughs> you t- and then later, is, you taste like hamburgers. I don't like you anymore. <laughs> I love this. Uh, um, we cannot um, not talk about the dramatic ending of the film. Yeah. Um. Which is, uh, Tom, you can explain it. <laughs> I'm assuming, uh, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So, uh, an actor whose name escapes me. Wait, that character is Tom. Oh, fuck yeah. off. Yeah, it is. Fuck off. Yeah, no, it is, it is. fucking yeah. not. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> put, put, put a clip you. in. <laughs> I have been programmed by my galactic master not to talk to earth denizens of classification jj and mckinleyazoid <laughs> so an actor who audiences will recognize as stewart from the big bang theory is this sort of completely uh zonked out weirdo uh, talks recluse. like a robot he talks like a robot he uses a chicken as a, a laser gun <laughs> yep and the whole time he's just doing these bizarre things that people just sort of understand as some sort of great works in his mind. Yeah. And uh, Jeanine Garofalo, who's the camp director, is like, uh, hey, are you all right? And he's like, well, you know, you were my counselor for three years. And uh, she's like, well, I feel a little bad. Uh, whatever you're working on, why don't you do that at the talent show? So he's the last act at the talent show, and he just comes in as parallelly david hyde pierce an astrophysicist has detected by spotting it in the sky a piece of skylab uh which dates the film rather well is is entering the atmosphere and is going to land somewhere other it's actually going to land on the uh hall where the uh, uh contest is happening uh so these two things come together as this character steps onto the stage like Napoleon Dynamite before Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> and he uh he uh comes out in his sunglasses and his gloves and he puts his hands up into the air and slowly building like the climactic music from a wind blows and, and, and people start freaking out and papers are blowing around and uh, uh, Elizabeth Banks starts making out with the lady and blows the doors open and it blows Skylab off its course and it crashes onto the ground in a miraculous supernatural occurrence. It's, it's ridiculous and amazing. Uh, it, is, it is the... Uh, is the money shot of the film? It is. It's, it's pretty great. Um, Can't, so I think I'm Joe Latruglia based purely on the glasses. But anyway, uh, <laughs> those those are some classic glasses, and they are very similar to yours. Um, uh, it was the age of uh, uh, it was the age of these types of glasses that I wear, and also the polyester trucker hats that I wear, which brings me to a point about this film, which is it has layers. And another way it has layers is in nostalgia. 
Yeah. Now, this film makes me achingly nostalgic. Yeah. In a layered manner. It makes me, because the film itself is nostalgic, it was these these comedians who were in their late 20s, 30s, in the early 2000s, being nostalgic for their upbringing in these summer camps in the early 80s, but, which is just inherently a nostalgic thing. Adults playing, teenagers, it's just meant to put you back in a place. So they're recreating a thing nostalgic for them, but also it's nostalgic for me because this film came out in 2001. I watched it all through high school in the early, mid-2000s. Um, so it makes me nostalgic for the 2000s, but also maybe, sort of, kind of, it was the beginning of the nostalgia-verse that has dominated pop culture. I'm not going to say it's the beginning, but I'm going to say it was early in the process. It, it was early. I it's don't think very, it had anything to do with it, because this I, was... Well, this it was might, its own weirdo thing, but I just, I it's sort of, well, it made it to syndication on Comedy Central, and it got into all of our collective psyche, and it became this thing, sort of the 2000s fetishization of the late 70s, early 80s, which has just been going, and then obviously that, that marker has been dragging along parallel to the decades in the past, and now here we are in 2019, we're reliving early 80s nostalgia again, hardcore, with the advent of things like Stranger Things, mm-hmm. which are bringing back polyester trucker caps and uh, uh, 80s garb and uh, uh, the, the bright colors and everything. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a layer cake of nostalgia for me. Every time I watch this film, uh, I start thinking about high school for two reasons. One, because I first saw it when I was in high school, but also, and all the teenage characters, I think about who would be who in this universe, and I think about the people I went to high school with. I uh, won't say any names, obviously. Same. We'll talk later. Uh, uh, Justin Totora. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. I mean, that's obvious. Uh, but um, as the kid who won't take a bath, no. Uh, but then it also just inherently makes me nostalgic. So I think about my own high school experience because that's what the film makes me do. But also, it, it's a time marker to mm. high school. So, it, like, everything with this movie operates on parallel multiplexing levels. And let me leapfrog off of that, which is a lot of humor is, like, people's cursing and, and being lewd. The film opens up with uh, the boys in the girls' bunk making out and then rushing out. And these are all, like, young kids. Um, that's what is so amazing about this and works as a actual like teen movie is I think because everything's so heightened in this it, it is so heightened in this that they're allowed to get away with doing stuff like that which is you'll never see in actual air quote teen movies uh, because it wouldn't be appropriate but th- this movie is more true <laughs> than like any teen movies you know what i mean that's a a weird thing there's so much like truth in the pathos of the characters no matter how heightened and ridiculous it is you you still get to like a very true satisfying genuine place yeah it's amazing yeah um i think you're onto something tom with it being the beginning of a nostalgia thing when we were in like middle school and early high school, 80s nostalgia started to kick back again for the first time. Yeah. Because that's when everybody was doing Rubik's Cubes and everybody decided that Journey was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I Love the 80s was on TV, on VH1. Fucking Mo Rocca and Hal Sparks. And Michael Ian Black. And Michael Ian fucking Black. There it is. There's the connection. Thank you, Frank. Uh, and people were watching I Love the 80s on VH1 and gaining connection to the 1980s. And this show was on Comedy Central. The movie, rather, was on Comedy Central all the goddamn time. Well, w- along with things like Dazed and Confused and, and, even, and Almost Famous and, and, and less, less cerebral things like uh, Johnny Knoxville and, uh, and Jessica Simpson. Uh, what's the name of that show with the racist car driving around? Dukes, Dukes of Hazard. It's so weird that we're still back stuck in the fucking 80s because that that happened because the people uh, grew up and made things about their childhood. And yes. nowadays we are making artists are making things that were in their siblings childhood or are their own experience in the nostalgic rehashing of them exactly so forever and this is how it is ready for player the, one yeah this is how it is for the rest of time 
that the 80s means teen. There were so many movies at the time, so it makes sense. But time has stopped in me in 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 art. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's very sad. Now we have things coming out like, well, Lady Bird set today, but like mid 90s and stuff. So it's finally starting to age up a little. And yeah, no, now they're gonna be. Uh, boys, we're getting close to the nostalgia for when we grow up. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm, which is, I'm, which, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lead the fucking charge. <laughs> which ironically will mean that to the young people who experience this fascination, we will be the lamest people in the world <laughs> in a Absolutely. cruel twist of irony. <laughs> they'll, they'll go to uh, 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 Splarsh Blopic, a, uh, a rehashing of Hot Topic to buy their... Uh, ironically uh, distressed Velvet Underground t-shirts made in 2033. <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, <laughs> They're Invaders oh, in God. Pogs. Um, um, uh, the, the Cat in the Hat hats. <laughs> <laughs> the Alien Masks. Uh, devil Sticks. Uh, <laughs> keep going, keep going. I'm so close. Um, lava Lamps. But, <laughs> but that was that was a weird this thing that came for back. the 70s. Yeah. I just now don't we, remember when yo-yos came back. Yo, oh yeah, fuck Jesus. yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah. Pogs, and they'll have soaps for grinding. Pokemon <laughs> and fucking uh, uh, tech decks. Yes, <laughs> I used to get. I had a tech deck, and I would make my wrestling action figures right <laughs> on it. <laughs> so, oh, every, everyone's gonna start doing the Degeneration X suck it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Peace and mode. people start getting in trouble for that all over again. New rounds of children. Uh, anyway. Wait, what? Red Hot American Summer. Great movie, everyone. Oh, I uh, rank it uh, wet hot. Great film. It makes me think of Weezer for some reason. Yeah. And not because they're playing fucking Africa by Toto. Wait, what? Yeah. Wait a What the? F- what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? Look! Look over there! Look! What is it? I think. <gasps> oh my god! No! <laughs> no! Tom's a- watching The Simpsons on his cell phone. <laughs> okay. I I see a giant. Oh god! It looks coming through the trees. Oh. What is that? It, it looks like an Easter Island head. <laughs> but it's in this like double-breasted suit. What? What? Oh my god! Wait a second. Wait a moment! Dr. Frazier Green! He's upset about a dog that had sex and the baby dogs! Now the baby dogs! Yeah, the baby dogs! Now he has to get rid of the baby dogs! Baby dogs? Yes, I said the baby dogs! Everybody! (laughs) What? (laughs) What's wrong? Frasier season two, episode two, the unkindest cut of all. Yes, that is the episode title. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I, I like this episode a lot. This was. Do the, you? This was the. Yes. Really? I, I thought we were going to have trouble talking about this episode. And I yeah. thought maybe that the reason we were going to have trouble talking about this episode is because this is the first episode that, to me, in my mind, is uh, totally normal. And by normal, do you mean nothing? Yeah. Yeah, boring. Yeah. Boring. Yeah. Yeah. It has none of the rough goofiness where they hadn't found the soul yet. They found the soul. This is the first episode with a lot of self-reflexive humor. You know what I mean? Uh, sort of like that that cheaper kind of humor where it's like it's funny because he did that versus somebody did that where I disagree with you is that it's funny at all yeah it's not funny there are no funny jokes in here yeah I I don't are you kidding when uh, oh my god uh uh (laughs) (laughs) we got you Roz holds the puppy that's that's not a funny joke that's a nice character moment but it's not funny yeah Oh, oh, aren't you the cutest little thing? Oh, 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 yeah, give me a kiss, give me a kiss. Oh, oh, I 
love you too. <laughs> there. Happy now. Ross, how can you just toss him aside after such a tender display of affection? I can do it with men too. I, I found it legitimately like nothing. Interesting. And I find it's an odd episode because it's usually very well written. This episode completely switches in the middle. Um, I mean, it's kind of uh, follows uh, like the plot point of Eddie needing a vasectomy, but a vasectomy? No, he or, needs to be neutered. neutered. We whatever. don't give dogs vasectomies. What, whatever. But like the first fifteen, the first. Uh, I guess maybe like two thirds of the episode are about here are a bunch of new puppies and Frazier has to get rid of them and then yeah. the last third that's that's done that's completely finished now it's about Eddie needs to get neutered and nonsense about Martin and yeah why yeah I'm a little surprised I, I'm surprised this uh, stood out so much as such a bad episode in your minds once again, I don't. It's not like bad. It's unremarkable. It's the yeah. one that. It's one of the ones from this season that I have no recollection of at all. Yeah. And when I rewatched it, I was like, "Oh, that's why I don't remember this because it's not memorable or interesting." Yeah. And the one, a spoiler alert, the one that we have coming up next week, or whenever we record this, yeah. uh, is one of the funniest episodes ever. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Now, I, I know this isn't how it works, but I think uh, good for them to play it safe after last week's oh my God. abomination God of an episode. So, this yeah. one is completely uh, I, I harmless. Did, I it's did about think, puppies. Yeah. I thought one thing while watching it, which is I don't have too much evidence for this point, but I feel like this plot line of an unexpected batch of puppies is very well trod ground. Oh, 100%. And in sitcoms, it's sort of... And, and then maybe that's why it kind of spun off in the way because it was almost like a writing exercise for the writer's room, which is how would... F what's the Frasier version? What's the pathos-laden, psychobabble-laden Frasier version of this? And uh, the whole time I was just thinking about... Uh, See my vest, see, <laughs> see my, my vest, vest. <laughs> made from real gorilla chest. Feel the sweater, there's no better than authentic Irish setter. See this hat, twas my cat, evening with vampire bat. These white slippers are albino, African endangered rhino, grizzly bear underwear, turtle's neck, I've got my share. Beret of poodle on my noodle, it's, it shall rest. Try my red robin suit, it comes one breast or two. See my vest, see my vest, see my vest. I, I really realized like that vest. midway through that, that Tom was looking down at his screen. He was not extemporaneously getting the lyrics. That would have been much more impressive if you... See my loafers for more gophers. It was that, or skin my chauffeurs, but... Uh, uh, Greyhound suit would really be the best. <laughs> oh, jeez. I just needed it for reinforcement. <laughs> BTS, yeah. I did that last bit from my noodle. <laughs> and here, here's, here's my issue with the... <laughs> with you, Tom. <laughs> uh, Can we just talk about the Simpsons, folks? It's just going to be a thing. Here's my issue with my major issue with this episode and how I think like, okay, if there's not funny jokes, okay, maybe they got tired. <laughs> it's the structure of it. It's how the second half has nothing yeah. to do with the first half. No, it the, flips on Martin. Yeah, and the first Martin. half, it, it takes up so much of the time, and it's such a, a problem for Frasier, and then, out of nowhere, the problem solved. We come into the home, and the last puppy is being picked up, and it took so much time. If that was, if that was like the cold open, or even just the first act... And then you moved on to all of the Martin stuff. Okay, I can buy it a bit, but it's just um, I, I mean, bad they, they, writing. Yeah, late, you guys are beating uh, up on this. I mean, they, they open it, they set it up with the very first thing. 
Sorry, Frank. Uh, where like uh, it's like put a coaster under your beer. Uh, well, my ass is sweating too. Should I put a coaster under that? Uh, you know, so they kind of established a precedent of sort of like Martin losing control. And I don't know, like there there are jokes. They may not be like gold medal jokes, but like Niles in the park needing the horn to get back to the car. Some of it is like okay. I'll, I'll say this: this is in our podcast's uh, life. This is the first episode that I was just waiting for it to be over. Not last week's. No, no, because like that was like awful, and I'm watching. Yeah. You know what I mean? This one was just yeah. boring. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing here. It starts with one premise, because they clearly started with one premise, and then they realized that they had run out of premise. Yeah. So once you run out of premise, they're like, uh, let's just do another thing where Martin and Fraser have a fight. Yeah. Because that was like a go-to in the first season, and so they went back to it. And then thankfully, like, course corrects very quickly next week when they, like, they hit a fastball with next week next week is a big one it's uh the matchmaker um which uh, is incredible and it's an episode that they redo like 10 years later with patrick stewart yeah um, yeah they do yeah <laughs> um oh, guys okay i'm on Fraserpedia. jesus christ uh, no, hold, on, hold on hold on okay here we go uh the, production the, production the notes. on this show <laughs> Uh, I did not envision... Well, hold, hold on, Frank. This might explain a lot. Uh, uh, production had to stop for... Yeah, production ceased for three weeks in May because a drunk Kelsey Grammer ran over the box of puppies, causing a dramatic plot shift in the original intended. <laughs> You're joking, but it's probably real. Yeah. 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 Uh, Kelsey Grammer was very likely uh, completely blotto. <laughs> did you did you like that object work? I, <laughs> I did. I saw that whole time that there was nothing on his screen. <laughs> that there was no Frasier and, and But he was still looking at it. <laughs> there was just support, Simpsons I lyrics. <laughs> well, I had the full Frank. Yeah. This it is... had the, the, the lyrics to that Simpsons song. It had the uh, lyrics to Canyon Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh Next to monorail. Don't, don't tempt me, Frodo. <laughs> Defend this piece of shit, Tom. You're Go its ahead. only hope. Yeah, it's two to one, I think. On yeah. This, on this. Well, they say season two, episode two of Frasier is a lot like a mule with a spinning wheel. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do with it, and damn to know if they know how he got it. <laughs> Uh, okay. All right. Is it time to uh, switch into home improvement talk? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more power, more power. <laughs> um, I like when um, when Tim Taylor is making the Peter Pan uh, thing for his son, the pulley system, and he gets stuck. That's pretty yeah. fun. <laughs> Have you been rewatching? No, not at all. Um, oh, you just pulled that from memory. Oh, yeah, yeah. I found it very fun. I enjoyed the uh, rivalry with Bob Vila. Remember Bob Vila, everyone? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I do. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy uh, Al Borland just in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed yeah. there was an episode where they were training to go to space, and it was <laughs> exactly the Simpsons episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed the episode where uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas becomes Wait. a... Wait, I just remembered how there was a space episode. Yeah, Yeah, there is. I enjoyed the episode where Jonathan Taylor Thomas becomes a goth and Tim Allen, Tim the Toolman Taylor, becomes terrified that his son is g-g-g-gay. Remember back in the day when networks would have, um, like... Homophobic trash on their TV? Yeah. Well, they would have, like, um, a, 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 a themed night. Like yes, family yeah, night, yeah. like a Halloween. They they would do Halloween on the um, TGIF. Exactly, block. and like there was one where like the power went out on all of the ep- the TV shows. Yes, yeah, yeah. That was fun. That doesn't yeah. happen. Can't happen there, anymore because there's no there network was, TV. There was the big crossover on the TGIF block where all of the shows melded together with the characters, mm-hmm. uh, and that was the one where. Uh, 
their one year it was, the show was called I think like My Favorite Angel. Uh, teen, where, teen Angel. No, I, that might have been what it touched was touched by a teen angel. Nah, uh, it crossed over with Boy Meets World and touched by yeah, Chris Angel. Switch. Yes, that's Teen Angel. Yeah. yeah. Created by uh, um, uh, one of the uh, Simpsons uh, writers. Oh. Yeah. Huh. And there was the episode of Boy Meets World where everybody gets murdered. Mm Mm-hmm. The Halloween episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, folks, let's stop (laughs) talking about sitcom things that are more entertaining than the thing we just talked about. did you say murder? Because I see Jason Voorhees over there. Cue the sound. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jason. How's it going? Hey, hi, Jason. Sorry your mom was the star of the first movie. Yeah, you just showed up at the end as a, like a, a deformed mute baby. thing. And then you come back. The, and then you go to space in like 2002 or whatever it was. How, how was space, you, Jason? How is Freddy versus Jason, where Freddy makes a racist joke? Where he's about, mm-hmm. he is chasing a white girl and a black girl, yeah. and he looks at the black girl, and Freddie says, "Oh, sweet, dark meat." Um, uh, what happens after that is it's Kelly Rowland uh, yes, played the character. She, she calls Freddie the uh, the F word we were talking about <laughs> earlier. So yeah. it was all kinds of messed up. But oh, anyway, God. Jason, Jason, no, 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 don't go away, Jason. He's, we love he's, you. He's bored by your uh, your criticism. <laughs> Justin, it's amazing to me that there's somebody who remembers Freddy vs. Jason as well as I do. I saw it in the theater. I did too. Yeah. Do you guys remember Freddy vs. Jason vs. Alien vs. Predator? They were going. No. But I remember the comic book Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash. Oh. Ash from Evil Dead, played I, by Bruce Campbell. I thought you were going to say Ash from Pokemon. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that would be better. Oh God! Anyway, oh um, also, do you hear those children laughing? <laughs> this is a creepy campsite. Also, I think uh, I said we're in HBO's Chernobyl. So hey, uh, Mister no, 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 Sarsgaard. No, 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 we're in we're in HBO's Treme. <laughs> Everybody's playing New Orleans jazz. We're in HBO's Deadwood, you cunts and cocksuckers. You cunts and cocksuckers. We're actually in HBO's Girls. Eat my ass. Sorry, what's your name? Who got her ass eaten in that show? Was it uh, um, Brian Ms. Williams' daughter? Allison. Ms. Dunham, Allison Williams. Ms. Dunham, yeah. your, your book is very disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually in Star Wars. Hello there. I'm Max Rebo. Thank you for uh, coming hello, tonight. Hello. I also drive a bus in Patterson, New Jersey. <laughs> hey, it's Patterson. Anywho. <laughs> Anywho, folks. What's happening? We're in it. We're camping. We're camping. Let's as we roast these these last final weenies before we go and sleep together in that tent over there. By what you mean? It's cuddle. <laughs> what do we have to recommend? I don't know. What do you say, my friend? And I want to tell you a thing that I enjoyed, and I hope you enjoy it more. Hello. You kept it mostly That's to pretty one good. Yeah. Um, I would like to recommend... I've recommended um, two of Kelly Nugent's podcasts, so I might as recommend, well recommend all of Kelly Nugent's podcasts that I listen to. Um, where is it? <laughs> Uh, same day shipping. It's a super fun podcast uh, hosted by uh, Kelly Nugent, Ryan Mogi, uh, Colin Morris, and uh, Patrick Ellers. And they uh, just uh, ship various characters uh, from media. And it oftentimes gets uh, hilariously disgusting. Um, but it's always just a nice, fun time. It always brings a smile to my face when it's released on a Friday. Um, I have not listened to uh, uh, Hellmouthy 
Kelly Nugent's Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast because I've not watched that show. But once I watch that and listen to that, I'll get to her final podcast. <laughs> Hello, Kelly Nugent. <laughs> the show doesn't hold up, unfortunately, and I say that as somebody who watched the show. Yeah. And I tried to rewatch it. And you might like it, but, like, it 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 has aged. Well, that's a shame. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Tom? Uh, I am going to recommend a... Again, a fucking YouTube channel. Uh, recommended to me by my uh, friend, uh, and I didn't know about it, because that's the way YouTube works. Uh, things are incredibly famous, and yet everyday people who also consume uh, social media what have friend? never heard Shut of it. them out. Uh, Cortland. <laughs> Hello, Cortland. Uh, uh, like, like when you recommended After Hours, like four years after that show ended, the cracked After Hours. <laughs> Kind of precisely, and and it's funny because this recommendation is a lot like After Hours in that it's um it's well it's not comedic at all and it's not set in a diner uh but it it's it's uh, long form uh, video essays um pretty well thought out uh it's the pop culture detective uh it's a guy and he he basically spends a lot of time thinking about pop culture depictions of masculinity and uh, tropes in movies and uh, first time in a long time. Somebody has introduced new ideas to me that really got me thinking that I started seeing everywhere that really held up to scrutiny. I've referenced one earlier, which is uh, one that he came up with called Born Sexy Yesterday, which is this big uh, trope in speculative fiction where a sexually mature woman with the mind of a child uh, uh, is introduced. And the man that sort of becomes the caretaker, it's, it's, this, it's this power fandom that happens all the time, which is the fifth element, uh, as an example, uh, 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 overboard. Uh, uh, unfortunately, it kind of fits Annie from Twin Peaks uh, to Dale Cooper. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, I, I, it's a really incisive trope, but also, you know, uh, abduction as romance, uh, uh, predatory love, where stalkerish behavior uh, behavior is framed as romantic. Uh, really interesting stuff. Uh, I am going to recommend. A film that I watched very recently for the first time on Wong Kar Wai's birthday. Uh, it's a film that I watched on the Criterion channel. It is called Chungking Express. And it's a movie that's been out of print for a really long time in physical media, so I've always had a hard time uh, tracking it down. But if you have any reason to subscribe to the Criterion channel, it's that they will put on their service things that are no longer available through the physical criterion collection so you can find stuff that is incredibly hard to find now if you want to buy it um so this is a great 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 Wong Kar Wai movie uh that tells two parallel stories each about a lonely police officer in Hong Kong uh each of which has undergone a very recent breakup uh the first half is shorter uh and stars Tony Lung uh, and the second half stars a Hong Kong actor that I'm not as familiar with. Uh, but anyway, it's these sort of forlorn romantic uh, love stories about these two sort of young men who realize that uh, women are not sort of problems to be solved and are not sort of there for their own sort of internal value. Um, and they sort of discover that maybe their loneliness is kind of their problem. And it also has, uh, uh, in the second half, a really well-developed female character named Faye who kind of comes in and fucks up this lonely police officer's life in a positive way. Um, and they realize through the sort of intersection of their relationship that they can sort of make it work by spending time apart. It's a really interesting movie. It's, it's totally worth watching. Uh, it's really beautiful and well done. Uh, Chunking Express. Go watch it. Nice. Right on. All right, folks. Oh, well, well, looks like we might better have to mosey on out of this haunted graveyard. Chernobyl. There's Jason Voorhees. Thank you for very much for coming over here, my friend. If you want, we got a big old tent here. You can come spoon with me, old Justin. And I won't get scared of you, no, sorry. I know that you've been through a hard time. 
And follow I'll... us on social media. <laughs> oh, that's all right. You can follow me. My name is Justin on, uh, you know, all those uh, social media places. I'm on Instagram. I'm on. That's it. Follow me there. You know you can follow me there. I'm at a welcome under two underscore wonderfuls and also some things that made me cry and follow me on twitter i am at frank mcdevitt on twitter follow us on twitter we are at plaid lads pod on twitter and instagram and you know listen to my music like i played for you this evening elbowake.bandcamp.com and elbowake music on social media hit it next week we are talking about Jesus yeah. I think we're talking about cigarettes after cigarettes sex. Cigarettes after sex. So listen to that, and we'll be here to talk to you about it. But and I just talking wa- about one of the best ever episodes of Frasier. One of the best ever episodes of Frasier. And as we leave you on this sweaty, hotty, campy night, I want you to leave a five-star review. And please... Uh, uh, oh, that's it. Leave a five-star review. <laughs> and one more All right, one. fellas! Yeah! Yeah! I am Jason Voorhees. I have a beautiful voice. Yes, I do. I am a guy. I'm just like you. I don't mean to kill you, but I got it in my blood because my mother was a murderer man <laughs> she got her head chopped off in the first movie and now I went to space goodbye bye bye <laughs>